Okay, hello. Welcome to episode 133 of Sack King's Therapy. Uh, we are actually recording this after the Toronto game because uh, Ian Fong actually recorded a bit of a pre-game preview, if you will, uh, before we actually went to the game. Um, but unfortunately, the recording didn't work because uh, I had the phone in my face and not in his, and not up to Fong's face when he was talking. So um, basically, you couldn't hear him at all. Uh, yeah, apologies for that, Fong. Yeah, no, yeah, it's no problems. Anyways, we were there live uh, for a for what was a a blowout, let's just say, a a, a stomping of the Raptors. Um, or the stomping of the kings at the hands of, or the feet of the Raptors. And uh, I I asked some questions during that pregame was, you know, Tristan Thompson had a really interesting uh, postgame press conference after the Minnesota game, kind of calling out the team like, you know, you, know, you, di- you shouldn't rely on Luke Walton to quote unquote inspire you. And if you're actually relying on him to inspire you, you might as well retire, strong words. And then also talking about how the road trip should have been 4-0 and or 3-1, and but instead they came back 1-3. and So strong words um, calling out the entire locker room, essentially. And we, we, we were pondering of whether the Kings are going to come out strong. Well, they did come out strong, actually. Um, we want to quickly talk about the first quarter? Yeah, first quarter was pretty much, I mean, they gave... Pretty much, I, I'm gonna guess they're all in terms of offense and defense. After that, I mean, really, I think otherwise they kept it pretty strong throughout each and every court. Just not, just not hitting their shots. Um, yeah. So as you mentioned, they came out strong. They were getting steals, getting you know fast break, fast break points, and also drawing a lot of fouls. I, it was. Uh, uh, so Barnes, for example, had eight free throws. Buddy had two. I think I think De'Aaron had two in the like all in the first. And basically, you know, they were they were taking it to the Raps Raptors, and they, they looked they looked pretty they looked pretty like surprised of like the effort that the Kings put up. But unfortunately, the Kings do give up I think seven straight free throws to to, to let the Raptors take the lead. And then you also mentioned that we started struggling. We struggled to score. One of the things about the Raptors that I took note of was they have a they have this bench mob lineup where basically it's a bunch of small ball fives or small ball fours where they're just crazy ass long. And if you're wondering like, well, how well, like, isn't that unfair? Well, they're the boards that I'm talking about. They can't really score all that well, but they can move their feet they can play defense and they can force some you know pretty bad shots and once and once they get you know the other you know the kings to take some you know tough shots they get out on the break and and score in transition and they made that length that they that those small ball fives um provided it was insane it was i think they had a they had a lineup of pascal um scotty uh, I want to say Ken Birch. I don't remember. Like Ken Birch and uh, what's it? Uh, Scotty Barnes. And I forgot the other guy's name. I, I, I remembered it yesterday. But it like that's the example I'm talking about. Like that is just all kinds of length and a bunch of guys that can move. And they suffocated the Kings. Yeah, their defense really. Oh, man. 
cup dozen wine, I guess you could say, for the last three quarters. Um, I don't know. Are you were you talking about the starting lineup or their bench uh, when you were mentioning? So I'm primarily talking about the bench. Like their starting unit is actually really good too. Like you know Gary Trent Jr. and Fred VanVleet. They're you know they they're not like huge, but they know what they know what they're doing and they can put up buckets. And Gary Trent Jr. like got buckets on us. And there's just something about Fred VanVleet. Like I I you know I I'm a I'm kind of a Warriors fan. I haven't really been following them as tightly, but like I remember in the 2019 Finals, he was the most dangerous player on the Raptors. Like he would just hit some crazy ass shots, like out of nowhere, and you know, and then you look at the box score. He's not actually doing all that well. Although I don't know his, uh, I don't know what he shot this game, but he just has a way about making shots. And then Gary Trent Jr., like Kings just, Kings just kind of let him go off. They let him, like I said, they, st- I said the Kings started out like c- coming out strong. They were like, you know, being physical on defense, playing with hustle. That started to wane during the game, unfortunately, and. Like that he's and Gary Trent was a good good example. He just got to his spots like with very little resistance and just lit us up. And then you know you have Pascal Siakam. Pascal Siakam looks like he's rounding back into form all of a sudden, and like he was absolutely unstoppable. Like we even had Barnes on him and Barnes could not do anything. And it's some and I wanted them to double double Pascal a little bit more, but he just didn't. Yeah, it seemed like Pascal. To be honest, I'm surprised that he only missed two this game. It felt like he didn't miss any. Uh, in terms of him trying to get back in the format, I mean, he just came out of an injury. It's crazy how he could, uh, you know, play this well, especially coming from, uh, I forgot, what was the injury? Uh, shoulders. Shoulders. Mm. Oh, that's interesting. Man, yeah, like he—he's kind of—he's looking a little, at least like against the Kings, he looks more like you know the 2019 version that lit up Draymond Green in the finals, as opposed to what he's been the past two years. Like he—he he was really good. I'm looking at Fred VanVleet's stats, like five for 14, two for seven from three with seven turnovers. Like, man, it, it felt like he played a lot better than that. Fred VanVleet ha- has a way about that. But yeah, again, Gary Trent Jr. just got real comfortable, got real hot, and just started making ridic—not ridiculous shots. He was just—he was just on fire because the Kings just kept giving him open threes, and he nailed all of them. And unfortunately, that opened up an 18-point lead going uh, to end the half, and it kind of only got worse from there. Yeah, I mean, I think the worst—I—I I wasn't keeping track because I was—I was pretty down when we were watching this game. <laughs> Uh, I think the worst uh, we've gone to is like 30 somewhat points down. It, it was a pretty bad blowout. I have I have it here. I I'm not sure if that's the highest it went. Kings were down 96 to 66 at one point in the third, and yeah, basically after that, um, Luke basically just went deep into his bench and just and pulled out D- um, Terrence Davis and Damian Jones and. Uh, oh yeah, Marvin Bagley also played this game, although he, he was not good. He's not been. He's 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 definitely rusty, but I don't think it's gonna get any better than that. Um, and yeah, but basically they went deep into the bench. The Kings did make a bit of a run in the fourth when you know the game was over. <laughs> but he starts hitting threes. Um, it's a, he he actually hit three straight threes at one or like three out of four threes, and it cut the lead to 23. That's how bad the game was going. Yeah. 
So, uh, you know, the, uh, again, the game ends up, you know, honestly, they lose by only 19. Only 19, yeah. <laughs> but, like, I mean, the game was w- way over before that. And, uh, yeah, I, I guess I have a few questions for you. Do you think, do you think um, Luke was making a statement by not putting b- back in the starters? Because when, during that run in the fourth, like, we had Marvin, we had Damian Jones, we had Terrence Davis, Buddy, and I forgot, and Davion, and uh, Jemise Ramsey for stretches. Like, th- at that point, like, you know, I, I guess Luke either has put, just wants to see something, or he's throwing the white tie white towel but the raptors actually put back in their starters fred van vliet and pascal siakam actually came back into the game you think that like luke was trying to make a statement to his starters of how badly they were playing by not putting them back in Mm, that's an interesting thought Mm, i could see it in some way but i don't know you, I'm thinking, wouldn't it start some sort of turmoil within the walker room, if that's the case? In the, I don't know if in a good or bad way, but I'm pretty sure it's going to stir something out. Well, in the post-game press conference, like, Luke, or Luke, uh, Halliburton basically talked about, like, just, you know, he, they have they have Luke Wallen's back, and that they, and, you know, for, for much of the game, the crowd started booing the Kings because of how badly they were playing, like, and he, and Tyree said, they deserve to be booed. You're gonna play like that, and you know, like I guess there was no sen- there was no sense in just putting the starters back in. This might be end up being nothing, but at this point, like I, I'm I'm with I'm on Luke's side, I guess, on this one, just because the king the the starters were playing pretty poorly, and uh, you know there was no real point in putting them out there, and maybe it maybe it they maybe they need a message. Like I mean, granted, there's been many messages already. And I don't know how many how many more you're gonna need, but like you got like I, the starters have to just play better, I guess <laughs> would be my where I would um where I would go. Oh yeah, for sure. Um. Also, another thing. Oh, Rashawn. Rashawn's mom during the game was co- constantly complaining about uh Rashawn not getting the ball enough, and it was a thing I noticed. It was like how many times do you think the role like they actually even passed the role man like much less score but just passed the role man for this game i i don't remember any if there were if there were yeah i don't know the specific number but it wasn't a lot it seems like we just for most of the possessions just pass in the perimeter and just hope something happens to be honest yeah and that, that that's got to be that's got to be on the players like Halliburton is usually the guy that does that but like he after that you know really good first quarter he really didn't do much he actually finished with zero assists but part of that let's not forget is the crazy ass length that the, the Raptors can throw out there and you know the Kings have to find like this is where I would be a little bit more I guess on the train of I guess firing Luke we'll get to that in a little bit but like like the offense is so one-dimensional like you saw like how some how on some plays like there is one option like there's one guy that you have to pass to and guess what the defense also knows that so they overplay that pass and guess what the guy still throws the pass there and it's and it's a pick six layup or dunk like the offense does need to get better and you know i've heard james ham like this is alvin gentry's offense and you know, if you fire Luke and 
and just promote Alvin. Like that's not gonna solve anything. But mm-hmm. like, I feel I feel Luke's rotations are a bit odd. Like the like the fact that you know Alex Len and Mo Harkless can't get off can't get on the floor. Like may, maybe this is just a five game run. Um, that he's just trying out like Metu and uh, and other guys and and Marvin in particular. Like you can mix it up a little bit. Like put Mo Harkless, put Alex Len in there. Help, help. Do your own version of like the super. The, I don't know four centers and a point guard. I don't know, but like you know, I try some try something. I guess just try some things. You know, at, at this point, like you don't know, just throw anything at the wall and uh, yeah. Yeah, it's a, <laughs> a little uh, upsetting. Uh, yeah, it's some it's just something, and hopefully. Uh, for today's game, because we're recording uh, day after today's game against Utah, uh, we'll see something hopefully. But you know, playing against Utah, it's it's a tough tough matchup. But we have gone close twice with them already. But that but that was a different Kings team. That was a lot. That was a Kings feet team that played defense and was tough. <laughs> so far, the King, this Kings team, for however many games since then, have not shown that, and I'm worried. I'm worried. Like they might just get absolutely trounced by the Jazz in this game, and you know, change. like you know, hey, hey, let, let's make a prediction. Now, d- like, say we lose this game. Like, who win this game? I, I highly doubt it happens, but like, we lose this game of the the Jazz game. Is is Luke Wong gone? It's it's gonna be a very likely chance. Like I like I don't know how close he is to getting out, but it's gonna get closer to that point. To be honest. All right, but but if you had to make a choice, would you say yes or no? Ooh, if I were in the minds of the front office right now, it would probably be a yes. But for me, I would keep him till before all-star break to be honest yeah honest well like yeah i'm kind of in the same boat like it's, it's likely to happen i don't think it's gonna happen though like i at least i hope that if if, if he is getting if he is getting fired there there's more implications to that decision that i don't love like you know levec has been out of the picture a lot or out of the public picture a lot he's not saying much it seems but like there are there have been kind of whispers of like some behind the scenes pressures and some you know if you want to say like shenanigans he's very much still present like you know but behind the scenes and you know the last thing i want to hear is this was an ownership decision meaning that it's not a it's not a monty decision it's an ownership decision and at the, and that is what I do not want I want to ever hear again. <sighs> yeah, well, I guess we'll have to see because the game's starting soon, and uh, hopefully we'll come out with a win. All right, well, are we gonna win this game or are we gonna lose this game? I'm gonna predict we're gonna lose, and my prediction and how much we're gonna lose by is around. I would I would want to say ten points. Hopefully, I'd say that's a pretty good standing for me. I'll say that we win this game, but it's by a razor thin margin, and 
don't know. Rudy Gobert sucks ass. I don't, I don't know during this game. Um, okay. Well, uh, let's see what happens during this game. That was our Raptors game uh, recap. Uh, all right. Well, uh, once after the commercial break, you'll be hearing us reviewing the Jazz game. Okay, well, it actually happened. Uh, so, uh, during the Jazz game, during the fourth quarter of the Jazz game, a fan actually puked on the court. It's finally, ha- apparently, it's the first time it's ever happened that someone has straight up puked at the Golden One Center in, on the sidelines and actually caused the giant ruckus that delayed the game for 20 minutes. And your boy was waiting for the damn game to end because uh your boy needed to go watching turtles so yeah i i actually missed the ending of the game because of that and uh that that was the big news of the day and luke and also luke got fired and uh alvin gentry's term head coach now okay um before we get to that however we do have a game to actually go through so get us started on the jazz game paul well, I mean, pretty much same lineup with Fox, Halburn, uh, Barnes, Metu, and Rashawn. Uh, I I felt like the Kings play with ferocity and, uh, you know, with some great defense first quarter. Uh, then, you know, I, we'll get to it throughout the rest of the quarters, but it seemed like it kind of dropped off a little by little. Uh, but, you know, the one guy that was big in the first quarter was Mike Conley. He had eight straight points, uh, including a Rudy Gobert assist. Uh, so, yeah, we got we to gotta really stop the perimeter more because it got worse and worse throughout the game. Yeah, and uh, the, the, so he scored, I think, 12 points in the first quarter. Um, a little, little, like jumping ahead a little bit, didn't score until the fourth. Didn't score again until the fourth. Just, he kind of just disappeared and about the defensive energy like it i mean it was it was really good like they got steals they got runouts they got fast break points like it was it was really good and the main thing i kept thinking of when watching that was like you, you couldn't do this against the other teams I had to wait till the jazz to do this like one, <laughs> one of the best and like it, it's great that th- that the ability is there but that's what's frustrating about this team you're so competitive against Probably the best Western Conference team in the game. Well, actually, the second best because the Warriors are the best right now. But you know, you show you show this against one of the best Western Conference teams, but you can't bring yourself to bring this energy against you know, no, no disrespect to the other teams that the Kings have played, lesser teams. Yeah, and you have also mentioned that you know, I wish we saw this intensity when we uh, went to the game on Friday, which was against Toronto, because it, it seemed like there was nothing to show when we went there and yeah i mean stuff happened during this game uh, some, uh there was a marriage proposal that was actually really nice to see um but you know unfortunately or fortunately or unfortunately this the game that that this proposal happened that couple is going to talk about it and they're going to say oh we were at luke's last game and a guy puked on the sidelines that's when that's when uh we proposed like yeah you know, <laughs> that's okay. probably one of the funniest <laughs> Uh, proposals I've ever heard of since. Yeah, and also just to quickly shout out Mike Conley, that dude shoots like 99%, I swear to God, from three against the Kings. It just feels like anytime he gets remotely open, that thing is going in every time. 
and he was the killer for the past like for the past two games uh that against the jazz like he was always the difference because if you look at the rest of the team like they didn't play that well and they didn't shoot that well but he was the difference every time mm-hmm. okay well uh, i'm just gonna jump straight to the fourth quarter or like j- towards the end because honestly like the, the game was a lot of same old same old in a good way the kings they kept fighting they kept trading leads uh utah would kind of start to pull away by hitting a bunch of threes but the kings would fight they would you know they they didn't give up they stay strong and it looked like there was hope like a, maybe a, a nice fourth quarter showing but unfortunately that was not to come now i did mention i did i i missed most of the fourth quarter so you're gonna have to take over well, pretty much, you know, you miss probably the final five minutes. This was what five minutes after the puking. <laughs> so, uh, wow, well, iso ball, you know, the usual fourth quarter shenanigans that we see with the Kings. Uh, you know, you see Barnes trying to make something uh, by driving into the lane, or maybe a little fox. Sometimes passing it to one guy in the perimeter and making, hoping something happens, but you know. Nothing goes down. Nothing much uh, gets uh, made. Uh, so pretty much the final, you know, few minutes, uh, we bring in the third unit uh, that includes uh, Damian Jones, Davion Mitchell, Jemias Ramsey, and I forgot the other guy to be honest. Robert but Woodard. No Robert Woodard and no Marvin Bagley. So. That's a thing. Um, you know, during the final minutes of, uh, you know, the starters uh, for the fourth quarter, um, defense was slacking. I mean, I, I'm not going to lie. It felt like they just gave up. I, that's my opinion. Others may say otherwise, but it just felt like this team gave up in the fourth quarter. So before before I left and, you know, before, right after puke gate um, or what led up to the puke gate, like the Kings got up, got to a 14 point hole. They just let the they let basically the Jazz just kind of essentially get stopped. They Jazz got stops and then came down and just scored like with very little resistance. That's how they kind of opened up that lead and kind of led to puke gate like. The Kings offense, for whatever reason, in the fourth quarter, like, you know, the guy, the right guys are in. Like, Tyrese is running the show with Tavion, with Buddy out there, and I believe Sean, or maybe it might have been Alex Len this game. Like, you know, the, the lineup is out there to, you know, give you a boost on offense. But unfortunately, what has happened, it seems like, too many times is this lineup, for, for whatever reason, becomes stagnant, even with Tyrese out there. And so then it leads to these kind of like what I call just meh shots, and then the shots don't go down. And then because the shots don't go down, the guys play, you know, less hard on defense. And it just, it leads to, you know, you know, a tsunami of points by the other team. And that's kind of how they, that's kind of the recipe for how they fall apart and fall apart in the fourth a lot. And it just, it it just, I don't know what it is about it. They just stop running their offense and, you know, same another game where uh, Rashawn Holmes's mom is complaining on Twitter that he, they're not feeding the ball to Rashawn or the centers enough. And, you know, she has a point in that, you know, it's a lot of, you know, screen and roll and they just not hitting the roll man for whatever reason. Because once you hit the roll man like in his spot, 
like that opens up stuff but they're just not doing it like they stop doing it at, at certain points in the game and that's usually when it leads to these losses and then you know it, it kind of transfers over to the defense you take a you take a tough shot or a bad shot it leads to a run out and you know an easy bucket on the other end mm-hmm. yeah i was listening to the final minutes of the game and let's just say as many boos as uh, we've heard in the Friday game against Toronto. I mean, it sounded worse, and yeah, it really generated a lot of stuff, and especially, you know, I wonder how happy people are now with Luke being fired. Well, if you're looking at uh, King's Twitter, they're very happy for the most part. Um, mm. But there are, there are more... We'll, we'll get into it in just a bit, but yes, uh, Puke Gate... Uh, happened very shortly after I think the Kings went down 14 or 12. I don't remember the exact number. Uh, a fan started just puking while sitting in the seat and just that delayed the game for so long. As I mentioned, I was I was gonna go see internals in, at yeah. 9:30. The games are usually over at 9:20. That was not the case. This caused a huge delay. Slamson was there trying to clean it up. A bunch of guys were there, like just go coming in with towels to try to clean that garbage up, and the fan was uh, promptly escorted out of the building. Yeah. yeah. So it paused the game uh, from what the announcer said about 15 minutes, which is pretty much a halftime break for <laughs> a normal NBA game, and there was still about what 10 minutes left to play. So, yeah, it, it just. It felt like just another overtime of nothing. Yeah, uh, un- an unfortunate scene, and you know, to a lot of people are kind of using this to kind of describe the Kings' season in a nutshell. But, you know, can't really disagree with them. Um, yeah, but don't get intoxicated. Like uh, on the big screen, they they put up the uh, PSA to not get intoxicated into the arena, um, amongst other messages when that happened. So. Yeah, quite a scene. It actually, it actually it like got into uh, NBA national Twitter as well. So everyone was talking about this, and again, an unfortunate summarization of how the season has gone so far. Mm-hmm. Okay, well that's it for the game. Do you have anything else uh, you want to bring up? Oh, I mean, we forgot to bring up the city edition jerseys that uh, they were wearing uh, during the Toronto game. Yes, I did forget to mention that, and you know, your boy also also bought a or ordered a Tyrese jersey, and it came in yesterday. So, yeah, unfortunately, I couldn't wear it to the game, but you know, so you know, later down the line, I will be wearing that beautiful jersey. Yeah. Other than that, um, I we've always uh, forgot to uh, say this, but Amon Shumper was in Dancing with the Stars, and he made it to the finals. When is the finals? Do you know. I don't know, but from what I saw, um, or from what the what he did with his partner, uh, the dance, I, I don't know how to say it, the choreographed dance that they did uh, on YouTube, uh, it seemed pretty good. I'm, I'm surprised, you know, uh, don't know why Iman could do or move like that. Yeah, a lot of people are talking about how, like, people just didn't expect a guy that tall to be able to move like that, but... You know, he's he's a very fluid athlete from what I remember during his time. Like, you know, you know, so he it's not like he's at a disadvantage. And you know, I'm glad to hear that he's able to get all the way to the finals. Apparently, he wasn't that into it to start, but 
and he kind of found his mojo. Mm-hmm. Okay, well, let's get to the main event. So this morning, uh, while your boy was at the gym, uh, I I saw the news on Twitter. Uh, Luke Wallen has been fired after, and the the cited reason is basically this uh, last last um was it six. so they lost the last seven of eight I believe is the number, and a, a report basically came out before that from the Athletic where it said Luke Wallen was on the hot seat. And essentially, essentially what it said was he we we tolerated two nine game losing streaks last year. And he's not going to get the leeway to go on another. Um, he's not going to get that kind of leeway this year was kind of the message. And, you know, that seemed like something that was leaked to the front uh, by the by upper, either upper management or from ownership Who knows. And yeah uh, he's he just he just didn't get his leeway and this losing streak was enough to um it's enough to basically can him unfortunately or fortunately for some for some fans which is yeah it's unfortunate but you know i wanted him to i wanted to give him a you know a bigger chance you know possibly you know before all-star break but you know things happen and i guess we do have to move on sadly uh you know he has played tough teams but you know during on the road we should have won a few of those games but this is how it is uh, i'm wondering will alvin be the permanent uh head coach coming to next season okay jump in the gun there a little bit oh, but oh, okay. it's so- so Alvin, so Alvin did did get the uh, interim head coaching position for now. Uh, another candidate that was tweeted out by Woj was Doug Christie, and like I was I was skeptical of it because I have listened to James Ham talk about this and the idea that throwing a head coach, uh, you know, uh, throwing someone who has never really had that much head coaching experience and not much and only like what a few months of assistant coach experience right into the head coaching position at you're you're more than likely setting up doug for failure and you know i wasn't really into that like you want to at least let him kind of kind of find his groove as an assistant coach before moving him up uh, another candidate was bobby jackson now that one i was a bit more into just because mm. bobby has been an assistant coach for the kings and now he's running a I think a pretty. I, I, let me just check their record. Stockton Kings's record, real quick. So why you check on that? Yeah, out of the three, Alvin Duggan, Bobby Jackson. I am more intrigued with Bobby Jackson in terms of uh, getting this head coach job because yeah, I have heard he is doing pretty well with the Stockton Kings. He is currently twenty-four and nineteen. No, wait, hold on. No, that's last year. Sorry. <laughs> wait, what was it? How do you fuck this? Uh, 24 and 19 last year. Or 2019, oh. 2020, actually, specifically. So that's two years ago, actually. Jeez, okay. Um, Sorry, I am trying to actually look for it. I don't... I, I've never looked this up before, but at least from the clips I've seen, he seems to be pretty successful. And, you know, like, I'm, I've always actually been a fan of promoting a... Uh, G League team, a G League head coach to, to becoming a head coach because they have a, they have experience in coaching, you know, that, you know, no disrespect, like but like you know, guys with less talent and they're able to make it work. 
and you know, I was I I would have been very intrigued to you know see the, like um, Bobby Jackson take the take the mantle. I think I think he actually would have been done would have done well. Like he he knows the team, he's been around the team, he's had you know good experience. Like he would be an, he would have been an interesting candidate, but it is not to be you know uh, the Kings ultimately decided to go with Alvin Gentry and. You know, I don't hate the move. Um, I, you know, the reporting around it is that Alvin has basically has has had a lot of input on the team already. And my worry was that there, if this wasn't gonna, this might not lead to a huge change, I guess, with how the team played. I think ultimately the the answer has to be a trade of some sort with the players. I see. So I did find his uh, standing for this season. So this season he is three and one. So they didn't really play too many games. So I mean it's really a small sample size. <laughs> and I'm trying to find last year's. I don't think they played last year, to be honest. They did not. Um, yeah. So they were not one of the teams in, in the bubble. Was what they called it, the G League bubble. Um, so yeah, I mean, like, so three and one, that's not bad. That's not bad at all. That's actually really good. So yeah, again, I think Bobby Jackson would, would have been pretty, would have been a pretty good choice. Although I'm not sure if he wanted to move back up to the main roster, like after just accepting the uh, Stockton uh, head coaching job, but you know, Alvin Gentry, I believe was the conservative and safe choice. And I think there will be a bit of a boost, um, you know, come coming because there's always, like after the head coach is fired, there's usually a little bit of a boost. There's some sort of cloud that is lifted on the team, or you know, the team gets a little extra motivation to win, to win more games. But as it stands right now, I don't think the root of the issue has been has been fixed. And yeah, I believe a trade does need to come. Mm, and what kind of trade are you thinking of? Um, I mean, uh, to the chagrin of a lot of people, I think it, I think it's got to be Ben Simmons. <laughs> That that's the only, the only person I can think of. Um, I I don't know who else would be really available, like readily available that could be a game changer for the Kings. But the closest thing I can think of is Ben Simmons, and you know, please don't, please don't, you know, kill me or you know, or come at me. But I think I'm I'm actually very I'm very willing to entertain talks of even including De'Aaron in that trade at this point. And to be honest, I do agree with you. And like I, like you said, don't don't get mad at us because I think there needs to be some sort of change. And this will be a pretty big culture shock. Um, I don't think this season we'll see much, um, you know, not too much improvement. I, don't, I actually don't know if adding Ben Simmons this season uh, will help us get to the play-in sooner, but. Well, I guess we'll see. Well, uh, uh, not to harp on this point more, but like you, I don't want to say you get rid of De'Aaron, but like you replace De'Aaron with, and you know, wh whoever you're going to include in that trade and whoever the Sixers are willing to trade to us, like you theoretically like replace the point guard position. You're, you're probably going to just move either Tyrese or Davion into that position. And then you replace it with what the Kings really lack, which is wing and four defense. 
and Ben Simmons fills that void very well. And that brings back a lot of a lot of up balance back to the roster and you know just just theoretically thinking of that that i think that works and you know imagine a defensive group with you know davion and and ben simmons and harrison barnes and you know tyree is is a bit poor on ball but like off ball he's a really good defender and then rashawn holmes like that's a really nice switchy defensive lineup yeah it'd be pretty interesting to see and you know I've been always saying I really want to see what we'll give up. And sadly, if it does have to come down to Fox, I guess we'll have to see. Well, the unfortunate unfortunate thing is Daryl Morey is tripping and asking for just ridiculous packages. Like we mentioned, like CJ McCollum and four draft picks. I hope I hope the Portland told him to go fuck himself. Um, there was a, a there was a report that came out. There there were about around 30 players that the, the Sixers were interested in getting, and that include Damian Lillard and Bradley Beal. Who Damian Lillard might actually like. I don't think he's getting moved this year. Um, so I don't think he's actually a viable option. Bradley Beal definitely doesn't sound like a viable option because. This team is playing very well right now. Really wish, really wish the Lakers didn't pull that stupid ass move to bring in Westbrook, and instead gave us Kyle Kuzma and Montrezl Harrell. But hey, I'm not salty about that deal. Um, and then there, there was a report that I think came out. I'm not sure the legitimacy about it. It was on Twitter, where apparently uh, Sixers were not interested in Jeremy Grant, but instead were interested in. Da da da, Cade Cunningham, and I again very much wish Detroit told told Darren Moore to go fuck himself. And it's just like you're not getting that. I, I get the idea of negotiation, but you gotta be serious, man. You can't just go out there and just say, just like say your house, say your house is um, worth a million dollars, but you're asking for two million dollars or like you know what, some outrageous amount. People are gonna take you seriously. Like, it just gets to a point where you're like, what the fuck is, are you doing, Daryl? Um, <sighs> we'll see. I hope it's nothing. I hope the Kings give nothing, nothing close to that, de- kind of, that level of deal. And, uh, you know, hopefully it is an option for us because th- th- there needs to be something to, that needs to be done with the roster. Because, you know, it, like the, the roster is overall imbalanced with a lot of, a lot of centers and a lot of guards. And there needs to be a balance more with some wings and, you know, guys who can rebound and do other things, you know, because that's what that's what this team has struggled with defense and rebounding. Yeah, well, let's hope something happens, but uh, we'll see if that Benson is trade is the one to keep us up, I guess. So overall, my feelings on fi- on Luke getting fired. Um, so I'm, I just brought up a tweet from Kevin Fippen. He's a pretty prominent member of uh, King's Twitter. So this is what he wrote. I find it hard to celebrate despite it being one of those things that clearly needed to happen. I think it's going to be anything but positive in the short term, to be completely honest. The choice should have been made months ago, and now we run the risk of or run the risk of another bad hire. I'm not I'm not so as worried about the bad hire um, per se, but basically the idea is like it probably didn't need to happen. I know I know like you and me like have both been kind of defenders of like Luke 
we didn't think he was ever truly the root of the issue and mm-hmm. it was mostly on the rosters and the players mm-hmm. but like he, like don't get it twisted like i don't ever think he like luke was ever a great head coach but i always maintain like firing him would not be the solution because i didn't think he was you know the key to the problem i but you know you can always have the debate of whether he could have been part of the solution we'll never know now but that's kind of that's kind of where i'm at and you know again inserting alvin might uh, might bring some improvements like with the with how the rotations um balance out because some of luke's rotations were honestly were a bit weird and questionable like other than that i like there's not i don't know what the team is gonna do going forward this yeah i guess we shall see Okay. Now, I do want to qu- also quickly shout out to George Carl. <laughs> so, George Carl had a tweet, basically say he this is this is the entire tweet. Um, Gentry is the right move for the Kings. Players need to play much harder for him. And this is the most interesting part: the Beck needs to sell the team. <laughs> oh, that's that last part's gonna be tough. That's for sound, sure. It sounds like he has some beef. For <laughs> to say the least, and that I, that I bring up this tweet for for one thing. So I, I said it, I think earlier this episode actually. Um, what the idea that you know you keep Luke, and that was a statement all on its own, and now you fire him, you know, 17 games into the season. Now the the question has to be brought up is like why wasn't this move just made in the off season then? You if you're only going to give him 17 games to do this. And like the main thing I hope out of this decision, I want I hope that this this was a Monty decision and not actually an ownership decision. Like it has been reported before that Vivek is not a fan of Luke. He, he was a Vlade guy, not a Luke, not a Vivek guy. And like there's always been a little bit not tension, but like you know a bit of uneasiness with that since Vlade left. And you know I really hope that like Vivek has been really quiet in the media but it doesn't it doesn't mean that he's been you know not involved at all in the process and you know we'll see I will probably never come out to be honest but I hope that the ownership group just it wasn't like ownership meddling in this case mm-hmm. I see okay well um, let's uh, kind of end it on well let, let's actually end it on a bit of a positive note uh, Detroit is absolutely waxing the Lakers right now <laughs> the, the team that mind you the Kings actually beat um, about a week ago they're down 13 right now in the fourth and you know Lakers could come back but we just saw that really ugly scene with Isaiah Stewart and uh, LeBron like man the Lakers are a bit of a, in a bit of a flux and uh, D- Detroit man giving it to the lakers right now yeah i mean i'm gonna expect the detroit win uh is lebron actually still playing <laughs> he is he has been ejected flagrant two for the it, I, I i think it's an inadvertent elbow i don't think it was on purpose but like man that opened up a cut like i yeah. like you could have told me that isaiah stewart bladed and i would believe you yeah like he he, he was after lebron and i, I don't know he he really wanted his blood. 
I mean, like, he, he, they had the whole, just about the entire coaching staff trying to restrain him. That, that is a beast of a man yeah. right there. On three separate occasions, I think. <laughs> he, yeah. he, he weighed back, then he ran forward, he weighed back again, ran forward again. <laughs> he, yeah. yeah I, uh, okay, as, right as I say, uh, the Pistons have cut the lead to eight, and Pistons have called a timeout. So maybe the Lakers are putting in a run, but just to just to kind of rub it in a little bit more, because I, I was I was really pissed pissed about this trade. How how are you guys enjoying Russ, Lakers fans? Is it this this was what Le what Russ was built to do? Was that was to basically if LeBron isn't gonna play, Russ would just take the mantle and be that volume scorer guy, that volume creator. It hasn't worked very well, and um, and you know it, that's one another way that the Lakers, another reason for me to hate the Lakers specifically, just because that Kuzma and Montrez trade. Talk about bringing balance to the roster. Like Kuzma would have been a great option for us. Montrez would have been amazing off the bench. I assume he was going to come off the bench. Like, man, we wouldn't have gotten KCP, but like it's still just cool. Just the idea of Kuzma and Montrez would have made this team so much better and so much more balanced. Yeah, we only wish, but you know, the Lakers chose the one thing I never expected them to choose, and that's Westbrook. Yeah, um, the GM kind of failed on that one, but hell, if he actually actually is able to win a title with this team, all the props to him. I'm willing to put him above Jordan at that point. <laughs> oh man! This got with this roster, with you know Russ making god awful decisions. Go for it. You know what? He he's the goat if he can do that. Mm -hmm. Well, we shall see, I guess. Okay. Well, um, that is it for this episode. Um, glad we actually waited in uh, another day to actually do this episode because again, your boy had to go watch internals. So, but you know, um, Luke has been fired. It's a new day for the Kings. Let's see if it's a good day for the Kings or good day going forward. Yep. And let's see. Our next game will be on Monday against. I already forgot who is against. Jeez, it is against I had it the up. Sixers, I believe. Oh yes, the Sixers. <laughs> hmm. Will there be a quick trade on Monday? Who knows? Hey, maybe maybe Ben Simmons shows up for you know his showcase game. Now he's not he's not gonna. There's a lot of um, admin stuff they have to go through. Yeah. yeah. Not just that, the fans are gonna probably riot that game <laughs> since it's in Philly. Is it in Philly? No, no, it's here. It's a it's oh. a long home stand. Okay, he's safe. He's safe. <laughs> he's safe. So the the uh, uh, one thing that is questionable is whether Joel Embiid will play. But again, I I don't think we mentioned it in the Raptors part. But like when OG Ananobi didn't play, was reported to not play. Like I was even, I was on the train of saying that might actually be a bad thing for the Kings because the Kings like to relax when you know a star player isn't isn't playing uh, on the other side. And if if Embiid is not gonna play, um, do you think that actually helps the Kings? No, because it seems like it's a trend. And like you have said, when there's a star player or someone of a good player that's out for uh, the opposing team, the Kings always level out to play the team like that. So I think we 
just need to play hard <laughs> in general because hmm, it's it's already not looking good for us and another guy that might be out danny green might be out too and he, he's actually very important to, he's he's the glue guy for that team so maybe that i think that kind of helps uh will help the kings a little bit but we'll see um as it stands right now um Alvin Gentry is our interim head coach, and let's see if he can bring more out of this team than Luke Walton did. So yeah, I I expect the win. To be honest, I expect the win. Okay, well you expect a win. I'm gonna also expect a win because oh boy, like my, my sanity is fading. Yeah. Yeah. Have you noticed that we've given up on the win loss? <laughs> what you might call it? Predictions. Yeah, for now, um, we might bring it back at some point. I mean, like because you missed a, the, that stretch of games, I haven't. Mm-hmm. We we haven't started again. Maybe we'll start again in December. For okay. Fresh All right. Well, we'll see how Alvin does throughout the next, uh, you know, rest of the season, pretty much. And uh, yeah, let's hope for some more wins, I guess. Okay. Well, thank you guys for listening, and we'll catch you guys uh, after the 76ers game. All right. Well, we'll see you guys later. Mm-hmm.